this is the new economy. This is the new opportunity that exists for all of us. You have a problem. You struggle through trying to find a solution for the problem. You finally figure out the solution and you crack the code. It takes you years. It takes you lots of pain, lots of heartache in order to figure it out. You do. But then there's this other part. So now you figured it out for yourself. If you are willing to serve and talk to other people, you find out what are the other problems that they're having. You then realize that they were having a problem that you were having. You know the solution to how to fix that problem. They don't. Mm -hmm. You know the pain and the time that it took you to figure that out. They are currently going through that, mm -hmm. and they would be happy to pay you mm -hmm. to be able to figure that out and collapse the time because the time is costing them so much money. is Secrets for Success. Welcome to the Secrets for Success podcast. I am your host, Greg Todd. Thank you guys for joining me. As always, today I have a special guest. And when I say a special guest, a very special guest. Mary Koska, the owner of Ohana Occupational Therapy and the CEO of DocuFast. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Thank you for coming all the way from the other side of the earth to come and join me here today. I appreciate you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome, awesome. So Mary, you've been in my mm -hmm. world now for three and a half, nearly four years. Mm -hmm. uh, why don't you give people that have never heard of you, give them a little backstory of um, your journey as an occupational therapist. Sure, so I um, graduated in 1988 mm -hmm. and um, I went across to the other end of the earth to Washington State in the mountains right away and have stayed in this town of Leavenworth ever since then. And so my first career was a rural uh, rehab hospital that was in the town. And then I did a couple years of travel OT and then I did, uh, then I fell in love with working with kids in that. And then I worked in a variety of different school settings for 17 years. Mm. And, uh, the first five were driving, I don't think you know this, a thousand miles a week. A thousand miles a week? Huh? The yeah. heck? Yeah. <laughs> Golly. Yeah, it was a the it was a education service district. So what it was is that the really rural schools, like the Indian reservations mm -hmm. and just the ones that were way far north, that couldn't just have a therapist there all the time, they contracted days. Oh wow. So I did that for five years. And then um, when I was pregnant with Lukash, the there was a position that opened up in my town. I only had to drive five miles, wow. or not even five, like two miles to work. So that was great. And then, um, so then I didn't have to do all that driving anymore. And then I worked in my local school district for 12 years. And then um, during that time, I really fell in love with the sensory kids because they would be some of the most challenging kids having meltdowns and not functioning well in the school setting. And then I would take classes and learn stuff. And then it was like magic and it worked. And so I just kept developing a passion for those kids, passion about all the kids. But right. that was something special because it would be, um, you know, you could take a kiddo that's just completely going ballistic, throwing furniture or biting other people or whatever mm -hmm. and just, like, help them calm down and get um, self-regulated. And it was just a powerful thing to, to learn and see. And so I just had a craving for really helping those kids. Mm -hmm. And then so I started dreaming of – an ideal setting because schools are not an ideal setting you're treating 
in the hallway. I've treated in an electrical room. I mean, any school therapist listening to me, we can make a list. Right. Like, you just grab a spot. You don't have your own space and equipment and all that in most places. Um, and so I started kind of dreaming of, of what I wanted. And um, before I started OT school, I was definitely um, planning to have my own clinic someday, but it was just kind of a confidence thing, I guess. Yeah. And then... Um, and then I had, you know, we always talk about pain is kind of what moves us sometimes. Yep. So I had um, just a really bad boss situation. I always had really great bosses, and I had one that was just something I had never experienced before. And so I finally decided to to move on. And um, But then an opportunity came up to work birth of three, and where I got to work with the parents and do home visits and the pets. It's right. really fun to work with a baby on one leg and their dogs laying on the other leg, and it's super fun. So then I really fell in love with that, and, and then I'm like, oh, I don't really need to to try to build my own practice because this is really great, and then they closed. So mm. that actually taught me a lot. That was devastating. They were in our, our community for 50 years, and they closed. What did it teach you? What do you mean? What 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 did it teach you when oh, they closed when they down? Closed? Yeah. I was very aware of everything they did wrong. They weren't even collecting copays. Mm. Um, they were just. They. I think what happened is when they started, the money was better, mm -hmm. and they didn't have to operate like a business. Right. It was oh. a nonprofit, and so they never really had to operate like a nonprofit where you the community really knows you and they do big fundraisers, and um, so nobody really knew about them. Yeah. And then they changed their name like three times. So so it was this amazing, uh, it was amazing. I mean, it had OTPT speech, nurse, and a physician. and But it wasn't run well. Okay. And so there were a lot of things that I was just, um, it's kind of like all sunken later. Right. But it was just a lot of things. But I, that's the first thing I can think of. They didn't even collect copays. You said when you... <clears throat> Uh, got out of OT school, you said, someday you're mm -hmm. going to have your own business. Mm -hmm. That someday ended up being how many years? Um, 14 years ago. So um, <laughs> I'm trying to do the math. 35 years in OT school. I mean, I've been OT for 35 years. Okay. So someday so, ended up being 21 years. Yeah. yeah. 20, 21 years it took you mm -hmm. to start your own business. And, and really the reason why you ended up doing it was because of pain. Pain, yeah, like yeah. I was going to do it, mm -hmm. um, and then I got this other opportunity. I formed the LLC and started taking classes, right. and then I had this other opportunity, which I loved, but then they closed. Mm. And then it was a very, um, and then what actually happened is um, I continued to treat some of the kids just for free. I had mm -hmm. this one little girl who, um, had later diagnosed with autism, but she was she was also blind, and she was just making amazing progress. And I'm like, I'm not going to stop working with her. So I just kept working with her for free until I could until the insurance uh, contract came through, and then I could bill. And but I had to go back to rehab because mm -hmm. I had to make some money while I was building this thing. And so that was um, that was 17 years mm. since I had done worked with adults. And I was terrified, and I got there. And I was like, nothing's changed in 17 years. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. the same. You know, Reacher, Sockade, 
like, didn't they invent any cooler stuff since then? You know, the only no, it's all the same. It's all the same. <laughs> it's I couldn't believe it. And, I, and then I had an eye-opening experience. Like, oh, what I was doing is a thousand times harder. Mm. Adults is they get paid more, but they it's a lot easier than working with kids. Mm. Um, yeah. So the only thing that was really cool that was new is the sit to stand uh, transfer things. So you weren't uh, doing so much heavy lifting. Right. That I, made a big difference. I, I think there's a lot of um, interesting things that you've said so far. Number one is Mary always knew that she wanted to be an entrepreneur one day and she wanted to have her own practice. Uh, but whether it was confidence, it was this, it was that. Someday ended up being 21 years. Okay. So we talked about that. But there was another thing that you said, and it made me think of a situation that just recently happened to me as well. And you're like, you learned a lot of things throughout that time. Not only how to be a great occupational therapist, but you also learned business practices of things to do and things not to do. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that you brought up the nonprofit organization that you're working for that ended up going out of business. So, again, I'm going to say it on the podcast, but I was recently in Canada, right? And uh, I was speaking at an event, and it was a nonprofit event. And the event did not go the way that they wanted it to go. And I say that to you all listening to the podcast because I think it's really important that whether you have a desire to have a business, have a for-profit business or a nonprofit business, you need to actually know how to run a business or you will go out of business, whether it's nonprofit or for-profit. And so I would say that even though there was a longer period than maybe you necessarily wanted, you learned so many different mm -hmm. things along the way, uh, which eventually led you to opening up Ohana. So uh, yeah. so Ohana's been open up for how many years now? Um, 14 years. 14 years. But, um, I want to go back just for a second because um, the reason that I stayed in school so long mm -hmm. was because I was raising my kids. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of like take the easy road because the school schedule and all that kind of stuff. So even yeah. though I had that passion and drive, that kind of kept me there. But what I wanted to say when I when I went to the rehab, it was the complete opposite because the company that was running it was uh, knew how to run a business. Mm. And so I learned a lot about um, how to be productive and coding and how to be efficient. And um, some of the stuff was kind of, you know, like, out of what I felt was okay, mm -hmm. but I, but it was like the complete opposite. Right, so, right, right. so I really learned a lot. I yeah. learned about like what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. And then, um, so yeah, so my private practice has been 14 years. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, you came into my world in 2020. I'll never forget this because, uh, you, uh, you bought the 2120 program from me, which was a 21 day challenge. Mm -hmm. And then after that, uh, you went into my smart success healthcare program. Do you remember the first week of the program? Do you remember this? I have a feeling I know what story you're going okay, to tell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say it. It's so, it's great. No, there's, there's the, so much behind The emojis. This. The emojis. <laughs> she didn't, uh, okay. That. So, so I, I think, I think I said like, I'm doing this, this, uh, this class, right. And, uh, the students would get, two to three live video or two to three recorded videos a week. But then mm -hmm. I would do this live training back then. I did it in a Facebook group on Facebook live. I would play music and I would say, drop, drop, drop a hundred in the chat section. Right. And this lady, Mary Costa is like, what does that mean? Right. So I don't know if you fully understood emojis at that time. Right. Am I right? Well, all these people are writing hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm like, <laughs> what does that mean? 
Anyways, but I, I'm never afraid to ask my questions. You, you, that is See? that is 100 true about you. Yeah. And I think this is so amazing because of what we're going to talk about next, mm -hmm. which is the fact that yes, you do have an occupational therapy sensory integration facility, and she serves a lot of people in her community, and her staff is absolutely amazing. They are. Okay. Yeah. But. Uh, you weren't some technological wizard. No. But 2020 happened. Mm -hmm. And during 2020, that's when you came into my world, we also had this thing called COVID that right. happened. And lots of crazy things started happening in our world where we were now in lockdown. And there were a lot of therapists because as therapists, whether you're a PT and OT or whatnot, we're service-based providers. Mm -hmm. And now many of us weren't able to deliver care in the way that we always deliver care. Right. And here you are, non-emoji Mary Casca. Mm -hmm. uh, you developed a group. Mm -hmm. And in that group, here's what you knew how to do prior to even meeting me, is you are an amazing servant. And you started serving people through a Facebook group, right? Right. So can you kind of describe to people sure. what happened during that time? Sure. So... Literally, um, the lockdown happened, and um, and I was just like, okay, we're going to telehealth tomorrow. Because mm -hmm. I'm like, we can't afford to not have, you know, be seeing our kids. And my whole staff's just like, ah. I'm like, okay, you get 48 hours. And uh, luckily, Raina Oliveira had just written a book on telehealth. So mm. I knew I had this book. So I handed it to one of my staff. I'm like, figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Then we got on the doxy and figured it out. But we were doing telehealth within 48 hours of when we were locked down. And, of course, we didn't know how to do it. But I, what I told my staff is, is kind of the same thing, serving. Mm -hmm. I said, you know what? We just need to connect with everybody. Even if we don't know how to do therapy yet, we need to check on everybody and see if they're okay. And the stories that came out of that, just that level, was amazing. Like, for example, one... One mom, she had a whole bunch of kids. You know, remember the toilet paper thing? Right. She couldn't find any toilet paper. Well, we had just ordered a case. And so I said, she had been to like six stores. And she said, I can't get any toilet paper. And I said, come to the clinic. We have a case. And so that was a need that we met early on. And then um, another one's husband had just had a massive head injury. I'm like, when we were doing telehealth, I'm like, are you okay? And she's like, well... Not really. My husband's three hours away at the hospital in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And her son has autism and she had nobody to leave him with. So a lot of the stuff in the beginning was just finding out. And so I found a respite care for her. Right. But um, so a lot of it was just checking on people. So my staff was afraid of it. But I'm like, we just need to be there for them. We can right. figure out how to do therapy soon. But okay, this, so, is, this is a big deal. This is called the Seekers for Success podcast. Mm -hmm. And I believe you just gave a massive gem to mm. people. You didn't have any master plan here. What you did was that we were going through a really crazy time that nobody knew how mm -hmm. to handle and process. But what you did is you defaulted to saying, we have to serve people right now. Right. And people need us exactly. in whatever way, mm -hmm. whether that is they just need toilet paper yeah. or that is they need a place for their husband to be able to go, it, it didn't matter. You were just willing to serve. Right. So it, besides that, it 
you you also use that time as an opportunity to serve other right. providers. So the group, so what happened then is, uh, then we're like, <laughs> I mean, I think you kind of know what it looks like, sensory integration. It looks right. like you're training for little ninja warriors. Right. I mean, it's insane. Lots of equipment and movement. And we're like, how do we do that in telehealth? And um, so somebody had dropped, a, you know, is, is there a, a, an activity, a telehealth activity group? It was in one of our big um, uh, pediatric OT groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked real quick, and there wasn't, and I made one, probably within five minutes. Mm. Within less than an hour, there were 300 people on it. Within six months, there was 12,060 countries. Wow. And it was the most amazing thing because we literally were all just helping each other. I would film. I have permission from almost all my family, so it's very easy for me to um, – to share what they're doing. So I would literally just hold my camera up and, sh- and show what activities were working. We had to do a lot of really innovative things. And actually, I found it really fun because it was very creative. Um, but one of the stories, I don't know if you've heard this story. Do you know the Pakistan story? No. Okay. So I was asked to um, speak on a, I guess it was like a podcast or whatever. It, it, you know, it was like a Zoom call that right. was recorded into a group by one of the gals that was in the group, but she was in Pakistan. She said, none of the moms are willing to do telehealth. And so can you get on and talk about how it's working and how, you know, what we're doing and all this stuff? So she interviewed me. And during the interview, all these um, Pakistani, I don't know if you say it, like Pakistani Pakistani moms moms, were just like, much love, Mary, thank you. Okay, we'll try it. I mean, I have goosebumps remembering this story because it just by having a conversation and saying it's not perfect, but... I gave some funny stories about it, and then they were kind of like, okay, we can try this. Like, one of the funny stories was this <laughs> this kiddo's, like, hiding under his bed, and he wouldn't he wouldn't come to interact. And, I'm, and, and I just told the mom, I'm like, okay, take the phone and just point it under the bed, and I'll talk to him. And, you know, we got him out from under the bed and started doing some things. And so there were a lot of cool opportunities because you were able to do things in their home, um, you know, whether it was, you know, learning how to – help out with chores or um, just different things. It was very interesting. I I think it's just amazing um, how when you have a willingness to say, okay, I just want to help you where you're at, Mm -hmm. regardless of the situation. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't this. But the reality is that there are Pakistani therapists, um, and there's tons of therapists here in the States, but you were the one therapist that was willing to say, I will try. Mm -hmm. I will try to help. And, it and the led big thing to so is I was willing to show what I was doing. Right. Like, here's what it actually looks like. Yeah. That's what one of the one of the gals I ran into at a conference, um, she was just so appreciative of that time. And she said, I was a new grad and you were actually, you know, showing us everything you were figuring out. Right. And and we actually figured out a lot of things that worked really well. And right. it was just such a fun time. And then Adam the OT, he's a Irishman in Dubai. And he's so creative, and it was just, we had so much fun. I interviewed him, too, and we were talking about how we were doing it. And it actually was just a really, even though it was a crisis time, but it was a really positive time because we were all helping each other. Right. And connecting with people that you probably would have never connected never with. Never connected with. And then um, and then I just started realizing, like, well, how else can I, you know, what do you guys need help with? Because I realized that I'm the seasoned therapist, 35 years, and a lot of them were really young therapists. So right. then I just started asking, well, what else do you need help with? 
And is that when DocuFast was mm-hmm. created from that? Yeah, so it started out with um, some master classes like, well, how do we get kids to en- engage? You know, how do you, how do you get them to interact with you in telehealth? And and then it was like, well, how do you do an eval? <laughs> and, yeah. and, and then how do you do this and how do you do that? And then it just morphed into um, just learning that they were struggling with documentation. Their number one struggle was the same struggle whether it was telehealth or in the clinic, was they were really, really struggling with documentation. I was like... Oh, I've got that figured out, right. you know, because I hate documentation. So mm-hmm. I figured it out a long time ago. Like, I don't want to spend any time on it that I don't have to, but I want everything to go through for insurance. I want it to be excellent. I want it to drive. The most important thing is I want it to drive quality of care. I want to have a system in place where when I look look at my stuff, I'm like, bam, I know what I'm doing. If somebody else picks up my kiddo, they can look and they can just take off and not miss a beat. So I needed a really good system um, that to run my business efficiently because I was realizing, you know, I'm writing, we, I don't know if you know how bad we are. We'll, we'll spend two hours writing a report wow. because we want everybody to know all the cool stuff we know about this kid that we've figured out. And um, we want to kind of prove ourselves that um, we want people to understand the child. So we just write novels. We're terrible. But there's no code for getting paid for documenting, correct? No. So so what I quickly realized running my own practice is um, I'm doing this state-of-the-art therapy, mm-hmm. and I'm writing these state-of-the-art reports, but I'm getting absolutely no money for spending two hours writing a report, zero money, and then and that's two kids I could have helped. Right. You right. know, so it was just like, it, it was crazy. So I had... Um, I had a, a coach at the time that he's outpatient PT, mm-hmm. and he was really explaining. He knew a lot about how insurance companies work and how to get on their short list. You know, the short list, long list thing. Like, mm-hmm. you fight everything, and then then they move you to the short list, and then they don't keep denying claims. I mean, he 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 knew he knew people in the industry. He knew so much, so I learned a lot from him. And then he'd give examples, but they're outpatient PT, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, you don't understand. I'm Peds. Right. I'm Peds OT. It's like the cancellation thing too. He's like, they're not all sick, Mary. So I was trying to meet these standards that he was setting, right. but I'm like, no, but we can't. Well, we have we have under ten percent cancels, and we have I mean we're and we have notes that take three minutes to write and reports that take fifteen minutes to write. Like, but it took me a decade to get there wow. because I just kept. Um, peeling off layers and really understanding what what was needed, what wasn't. I've interviewed people who've been through audits. I I learned a lot through um, through appealing uh, any denials I had, and I've won 100% of them. Wow. And what would happen is on peer reviews, I'd say I learned things like to ask specifically for a PEDS OT, a real peer, to talk to, and then they would tell me stuff. Wow. They would help me understand, like, something that I needed to have in, in, the, in the documentation. So it was a lot of research and then just peeling off the layers and then finding efficient systems because people are like, well, if, if everybody, um, if you didn't write it down, you didn't do it. Well, I don't know if you've ever watched a Pizza OT sessions, but we do a lot of things. Right, right. Short attention spans mean you do a lot of things. So there's other ways, you know, you can have an activity log that you refer to, and, but but just knowing what needs to be documented for insurance is 
and, and for yourself for um, doing a good job is really what you need to know. I think there's a couple things that are really important here. This is the new economy. This is the new opportunity that exists for all of us. You have a problem. You struggle through trying to find a solution for the problem. You finally figure out the solution and you crack the code. It takes you years. It takes you lots of pain, lots of heartache in order to figure it out. You do. But then there's this other part. So now you figured it out for yourself. If you are willing to serve and talk to other people, you find out what are the other problems that they're having. You then realize that they were having a problem that you were having. You know the solution to how to fix that problem. They don't. Mm -hmm. You know the pain and the time that it took you to figure that out. They are currently going through that, mm -hmm. and they would be happy to pay you mm -hmm. to be able to figure that out and collapse the time because the time is costing them so much money. Yeah. Lost treatment hours, uh, working way over the clinical hours that they should, not having the clarity and the confidence that what they are putting on paper is actually going to hold up, um, isn't going to get us paid, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And that's what you ended up creating with DocuFast. Mm -hmm. And it's just so cool to hear the yeah. actual story. So how yeah. many people have actually gone through that program? Practice, or do you uh, have a, a 111. A 111 people. Yeah. And when you were talking, it was reminding me of a moment. I was 20 years into my career. And this is before I had my private practice. This is when I was at the Birth 3 Center, and I was sitting there at my computer, just did a note, staring at the computer, going, I wish there was a way to know that was a good enough note. How can I be 20 years into my career and not know? Right. Because there is nothing out there to tell us. Right. You know, zero. There's no guidance. There's no rubric. There's no... I mean, I made one for myself, but right. but I just thought, isn't that crazy? Like to be that far into your career and have no way of feeling confident about what you're doing right. in your documentation. Yeah, I, what you're solving such a big problem for people. So um, that's what you do, mm -hmm. and you help people with figuring out how to document in a efficient manner um, that's not taking up a bunch of their time. Mm -hmm. Which, when it takes up a lot of their time, it's stressing them out as the practice owner. It's stressing out the therapist, and you're helping them with a massive, massive, massive problem. Well, and it affects the viability of the company because right. we have such narrow margins already. Right. If you if you do, you know, one more visit a day because you don't have to spend that documenting, that adds up so quickly. Right. So um, for people, you've had 111 mm -hmm. uh, clinicians, practice owners go through this program, and it looks like, from what I hear, people, like, rave about this thing oh yeah they all say it's changed my life i got yeah. my life back um haven't had anybody unhappy with it okay well that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean um, they're... uh so if someone is interested in saying hey you know what documentation is taking up a lot of time in my practice and i want to know the right things that we need to do so that we do get not only reimbursed but um we're not wasting as much time and mm -hmm. we feel confident and we're not feeling that uneasiness if we're doing the right thing mm -hmm. or the wrong thing. Um, what we're going to do is this. We're going to put a link mm -hmm. in the show notes of the podcast uh, for people to be able to connect with you. Right. That's they can actually um, book a call and I can actually just do a deep dive and just help them. Okay. And then if this makes sense for them, they can learn about it. And Awesome. Mm -hmm. Mary, before I finish the podcast, um, there's something that I need to say about you. 
you um, are always cool, except for today. <laughs> I was going to say, except for this morning. Oh my gosh, you guys, this morning we did a, um, I don't a photo shoot ever here. Cry. I'm not, huh? She a, never, I, like, I'm every, not dramatic. She's not, she's not a dramatic person, <laughs> except for today. I was like, wait, who is this? Who took Mary's phone? Who took her phone? Which drama queen is this? Anyways, one of the most amazing things, uh, Mary is in my uh, inner circle, and she's been in my world for the last uh, three and a half years. And I I just have to say this. um, You've had so many things that have happened behind the scenes, uh, whether it's with your son, it's with your husband. Yeah, muscular um, dystrophy, two family members with cancer. Yeah. my dog, we won't go there. Yeah. yeah, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. And what I really, really appreciate about you is um, your your ability to show up with grace under the pressure. Uh, and trust me, even though, yes, technically you are a client of mine, um, I learned so much from all of you. But that's what you teach me. You teach me how to be cool. How to be cool even when the pressure is high. You teach me except how to have this morning. Except for this morning. <laughs> Somebody took your phone and was a total drama queen this morning. But for the three years, three and a half years, <laughs> minus one day, what you've been able to show me yeah. is how to have duck legs. And what legs? Duck legs. What are duck legs? Duck legs, when you see a duck, isn't a duck cool underwater? Oh, but they're going. And that's what you are. So anyways, I just want to thank you for that. And how can people find out about you? Are you on Instagram, Facebook? Yeah. Where can people find out? Mary underscore OT for Instagram. Facebook, just my name, Mary Koska, and they can Facebook message me. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for being on The Secrets for Success. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay.